to be 100% transparent, anytime you get injured, it's it's a horrible thing. You, know, you play football to play, not to sit out. But I'm going to attack this uh, just like I attack anything else and, you know, go from there. Don't get me wrong. I thought, I thought what Justin did was, I thought he came in and gave us a chance to win. Tyrod can't go and we have to go with Justin. I am perfectly content with that. Professional football player, if you play receiver, you're supposed to catch the damn ball. It's like any quarterback, you keep you drop a couple more, you ain't getting it anymore. He ain't going to throw it to you. How many few Monday night home games we've had in the past 13 years in this kind of a big game and there's, you know, fans are not going to be there. I, I don't even know what to say about that, but it'll still be a lot of fun. Um, we'll be ready. They'll be ready. It'll, it'll be a great night for football. What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I'm your host, The Pody, and it is Saturday, September 26th, 2020. All righty, we will get into all of that. We're going to start with the NFL and, of course, headlining week two. So, unfortunately, were the injuries, uh, just devastating injuries all around, about seven ACL tears, which is the most in any one week uh, that I can even remember going back some years. But first, I did just want to say that um, I'm excited for what's to come, baseball ending this weekend final weekend of the season. If your team made it into the extended playoffs, congratulations. My New York Yankees are limping in right now, losing to the Mar- Marlins last night in a tough uh, extra inning game. Aaron Boone getting thrown out in the first inning. And now today they look like crap against the Marlins B squad, basically, because uh, they are in fact in. Um, I'm a little stressed out because my uh, I'm in the championship of my fantasy baseball and, you know, I blew it last night, had a terrible night, blew a couple saves, just didn't hit well overall. I- I'm still winning. I'm still up, but this guy is picking up pitcher at left and right, trying to get starts, trying to get the wins, trying to get the strikeouts. He's not going to beat me, though, uh, in-, in ERA and whip, so I don't know what his his thoughts are. Uh, he could take the wins, he could take the saves, and he could take the strikeouts because I have every single hitting category in the books except stolen bases right now. I'm down 5-4, um, so we'll see. I would have liked to get those two saves last night, would have taken a 3-2 lead there in saves, but I'm still up right now, Uh, nothing to be too worried about just yet. We'll see how this night progresses, and then we'll go from there. But I did want to just clarify a couple mistakes that I made in last week's episode. I did say that uh, UFC, I think, what is it, 153 tonight with uh, Adesanya versus Costa. I thought that was last weekend. Apparently, I can't read. Uh, Last weekend was, of course, Colby Covington's huge win. Um, Not controversial in the sense that uh, the win was controversial, but he did go on to make some statements. Of course, he is a big Trump supporter, got a phone call from Trump. I thought that was cool. I mean, you know, uh, a president watching the UFC, that's some serious exposure right there. Uh, But yes, Adesanya Costa has a chance to be the best fight of the year, and that is on tonight, 10 p.m., pay-per-view ESPN+. Plus. You can buy that if you want to check it out. Also, I made a mistake in talking about Cubs pitcher Alec Mills, no hitter. Um, I said that manager Cody Ross, um, when he played for the Cubs, I meant David Ross. I mean, 
not really a big deal. Most of you that know sports know the difference between the two. Of course, Cody Ross did win a World Series or two with the San Francisco Giants. So another baseball player just got them mixed up slightly there. Uh, anything else? Oh, Xbox and PlayStation 5 pre-orders were this earlier this week, uh, Tuesday for the Xbox Series X, which, of course, that is my platform of choice. Luckily, I was able to snag that. That was a bit of a disaster. Uh, waited about 45 minutes, sites crashing, GameStop, you name it. Finally got through, finally got my pre-order. I wanted the monthly installment so I could get the uh, all-access plan. And lo and behold, I get two emails from GameStop they basically are, are, I basically bought two Xboxes because when the site wasn't working originally to get on the monthly installment plan, I went and checked out and tried to buy the, the Xbox at the original price of $500 and it didn't go through. It just kept hanging up at the payment plan, uh, at the submit uh, form, uh, you know, the last step there. And then eventually it, it did go through. So anybody out there that was not able to get their pre-order in, I do have two coming on November 10th and I will be selling one. Unfortunately though, you will have to pay uh, a premium for it. I'm not just going to sell it at regular retail price. Uh, because if you look, these things are going to go for upwards of $1,000. I'm sure it, sure of it, maybe $800. And if you want your hands on it, you know, you got to get your kid that Christmas gift. Uh, maybe, you know, we'll work, we could work something out. But yeah, hit me up on the Twitter or Instagram. You could DM me, whatever. You got questions about sports, you want some betting advice, hit me up. I'm always available. And I'd like to think that I'm pretty good at doing this stuff by now because I have been up overall with my betting so far through two weeks in the NFL season. And since sports overall came back, I've been hitting big. So with that being said, all the house cleaning uh, is out of the way and we can dive right in. And we will start, like I said, with week two in the NFL headlined by some major injuries, starting with the 49ers against the New York Jets. If you bet 49ers like I did, this was easy. They covered the spread from the first play of the game when they did a pitch to the outside, the right side, and Raheem Mostert took it, what, almost you know, 75, 80 yards to the house, untouched, by the way. If it was flag football, he would have scored. Nobody touched him, and that is... The New York Jets for you in a nutshell, the laughing stock of the NFL right now. The 49ers, although they won this game, they probably would have rather taken the loss, gone to 0-2 because they lost some major talent on the defensive line of the football as well as the offensive line. Possibly one of the best, if not the best, young pass rusher in the game, Nick Bosa, out for the season. He tore his ACL. Not only that, nose tackle Solomon Thomas also tore his ACL. So two studs on the defensive line, which was the Niners' bread and butter last year, helped them get to a Super Bowl, was that explosive front seven on the defensive side of the ball. Flip it over to the offensive side of things. Star quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo did not play in the second half due to a high ankle sprain, I believe it was. Um, he got hit early in the game and was limping around. I did not think he would be able to stay in there, but he did manage to, uh, excuse me, to complete the first half before they they made 
the decision to just bench him because the game was well, well out of hand at that point and they did not need him against the New York Jets. As I watch the New York Yankees with another error, this one by DJ LeMahieu, they now lead the majors in that category. Just a joke of a team right now. Uh, the Yankees really better step it up next week in the postseason. I'm sick and tired of what I'm watching right now. It's just disgusting. Okay, back on track. Not only did Jimmy G go down, but Raheem Mostert, who I said mentioned, had the long 80-yard touchdown run to start the game. He also was injured and did not finish this one, okay? And he is not going to play tomorrow because here's the thing, guys. The 49ers have to come back and play in MetLife Stadium again this week against the New York Giants. And there were complaints by a lot of the players. Uh, Kyle Shanahan reiterated that the field was very sticky and they think that led to a lot of the injuries. So they are very... now, scared is is maybe not necessarily the word, but they are a little bit reluctant maybe to or hesitant to play on this field again. So they are going to take every precaution necessary. And I think this is a prime game for the New York Giants to possibly sneak away with an upset victory here because more, more than likely, Nick Mullins will be starting in place of the injured Jimmy Garoppolo. You will be without Tevin Coleman, who was also hurt in this game. So no... No Raheem Mostert, no Tevin Coleman, no Jimmy G, no Solomon Thomas, no Nick Bosa. They have signed Ziggy Ansah and a couple other players on the defensive side of things. George Kittle will probably be held out again, although Jordan Reed looked like vintage Jordan Reed from back in his Washington Redskins days, so that was good to see there. Uh, On the other side of things, you have a bunch of... Uh, of injuries from star running backs. You had Saquon Barkley tore his ACL and fellow running back Christian McCaffrey of the Carolina Panthers went down with a high ankle sprain and he is expected to miss up to a month, possibly more. Although he said he's looking forward to the challenge and is going to try his best to get back as quickly as possible. A promising young squad the Denver Broncos. Maybe they have finally found their quarterback of the future after missing on a bunch of big name guys that they have drafted early. Uh, John Elway there, not able to secure his quarterback for many years now, but they maybe have their guy in Drew Locke. Well, he's going to have to wait. He will be out up to a month as well because he went down with a shoulder injury. Um, I'm not, I forget, I don't know if it's, uh, if he separated his shoulder, I forget exactly what happened there. And then star uh, wide receiver Cortland Sutton also tore his ACL and will miss the rest of the season. Now to a bizarre injury. I don't know the last time that this has happened or if I've ever heard of this happening since I have been alive or that I can remember of, but this was just stunning. So on Sunday, it was my mother's birthday, right? So we went out to dinner, got to eat inside a restaurant, felt normal for once for a change. Uh, But I'm watching the Chiefs and... Chargers game there, and I had bet the char uh, the Chiefs, excuse me, to cover by eight and a half. I doubled down on that game too, and it was unfortunate because right before the kickoff, it was announced that quarterback Tyrod Taylor would not be playing for the Chiefs. They said he sustained a chest injury pregame and would not be able to go. So this thrust 
first-year rookie quarterback, top 10 overall pick, sixth overall, uh, to be precise. uh, Excuse me, Justin Herbert thrust him into the spotlight against the defending Super Bowl champs. And you could tell that the Chiefs were not prepared for this kid. Uh, he was running around nicely. They, they called a nice, safe game plan. And this one went to overtime. And we found out later on, later in the week that the reason that Tyrod Taylor could not play is because a team doctor, while attempting to administer a pain-killing injection for a rib injury, accidentally punctured Tyrod Taylor's lung. My goodness. Are you kidding me? Talk about screwing up the one job you have. Uh, I don't know if this doctor was fired or not, but that to me is a serious uh, no-no right there. And um, wow. Uh, So yes, it was not, you know, Tyrod Taylor was throwing before the game uh, on the field, and he just threw one and, and pulled a muscle in his chest and couldn't go. No, it was a lot more serious than that. But back to Justin Herbert, he threw for over 300 yards, had a touchdown, and again, he had the Chargers on the brink of a 2-0 and start. But let's be real, we're talking about the defending Super Bowl champs in Patrick Mahomes and company Andy Reid, Got a new mask this week, ready to rock and roll. They sent this one to overtime. And in overtime, the best kicker, as far as I'm concerned, the best kicker in the NFL right now is Harrison Butker. And he had a chance at the game-winning field goal in overtime from 53. And he made it. But wait, there was a flinch on the offensive line, so they had to move it back to 58 yards and building the suspense a little bit there, right? I was already over it because they were not going to cover the eight and a half points, so I lost my money there. And he kicks it, and he makes it good from 58. But wait, wait one second. The Chargers called time out. So let's reset this thing and let's do it again. And no way, there is just no way he can make it from 58 again. Can he? Well, guess what? He did. So not once, not twice, but thrice times did Harrison Butker kick the game-winning field goal, and it was good all three times, no doubt about it. Only one of them counted, and it was the game-winner. The Chiefs sneak away with this one by a final score of 20, what was it, 23-20 to 20 or 20-17? 20, uh, 20 to 17. I think it was 20-17. to 17. And this is what good teams do. This is what Super Bowl winning teams do. Even when they don't have their best days on one side of the football or both, they find a way to win. And Patrick Mahomes, that is why he is the GOAT and he is going to be one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play this game. Okay, next up, Tom Brady never opened a season going 0-2, and Sunday was not going to be any different as the Bucks got the 31-17 victory over division rival Carolina. Here's Brady with more. Got to get back to work, and uh, the clock's ticking on next week, so going to get folks on next week's game. Yeah, not really much to say there. They were up, what were they up, 17-0, and then uh, basically they didn't throw the ball at all in the second half. Brady just had 19 yards rushing. The Panthers got it within one score, but then late in the game, Leonard Fournette up the middle, and he just took it to the house, and Brady starts the year 1-1 with his new team, and they get the win there. 
Okay, next up, we had one of the wildest, craziest finishes you will ever see in a football game. The Atlanta Falcons, they know how to blow a huge lead. They did it in the Super Bowl a couple years ago against the Patriots, and they did it again, unexcusably, inexcusably, against the Dallas Cowboys. Let me tell you, they had a 20-point lead on the Cowboys with what, less than seven minutes to go or or in the fourth quarter, 99% win probability. The Cowboys, however, they didn't get that memo. They capped off an unreal second-half comeback with the onside kick that the the Falcons didn't, didn't understand how the rules work, apparently, because they just all watched while the ball was, was being kicked. They just stared at it because they're like, oh, it's not going to go 10 yards. It's not going to go 10 yards. Well, guess what, guys? If the ball's right in front of you and it doesn't go 10 yards, you could still jump on it and get it. It's just that the team kicking the ball can't jump on the ball until it goes 10 yards. Well, guess what? It did go the 10 yards, and while they were still staring at it, The Cowboys jumped on it, recovered the onside kick, and what do you know, it led to new Cowboys kicker Greg Zerline from 46 for the win. Listen to how this one finished. Yes, sir! Kiss that pig! No, we weren't supposed to win it. We weren't supposed to win that game, but we went out there and got it done. There you have it. Greg the leg delivered from 46. You saw Jerry Jones masked up in his in his press box up there in his luxury suite, just loving every second of it. And my goodness, if they would have lost that game, Mike McCarthy, wee, he would have been on the hot seat because, you know, Dallas is team that has high expectations every year. They just fired Jason Garrett because of disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. I'm not a fan of McCarthy. I don't think it's going to work there in Dallas, but my goodness, he put out the fire with that victory. And on the flip side of things, the Atlanta Falcons, yet again, they are another team that just cannot get it done. I don't know what is going on there. They have Matty Ice. They have Julio. They they have Calvin Ridley. They have this guy Gage now at, at receiver. They've got Todd Gurley. They put up points. They put up points every single week, and they just fail to win these games. So there is a disconnect somewhere within that organization, and they better turn it around quick if they want any chance uh, of getting into the playoffs now. And then speaking of wild finishes, Sunday night we saw the Seahawks and Patriots, you know, a rematch of another Super Bowl that came down to a final play in which Malcolm Butler picked off Russell Wilson at the goal line when they should have just handed to Marshawn Lynch. Well, fittingly, this one came down to a final play with one second left to go at the goal line. Patriots with the ball, Cam Newton with the ball, and unfortunately, down 5, 35 to 30, the Patriots called a Cam Newton power 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 draw basically right up the middle because it sort of had been working all night but my goodness was it the worst call of all time because they had the box so stacked and I never understand how coaches call plays like this when I'm sitting at home you know your average fan you're watching on television you can clearly see how stuffed and stacked the boxes they're selling out for the run and you just know by watching on television there's no chance that they are going to be able to get this yard 
and it was no different. Cam Newton is lucky to have made it off the field in one piece after that play because he got flipped over and he did a full-on flip, a somersault. And he didn't even come close to getting in the end zone. I thought for sure they were going to go play action or fake the Cam Newton's uh, run and then flip it like they did earlier in the game. But nope, uh, they they end up losing this game. And Seattle, led by their MVP candidate and Russell Wilson, who seriously has a legitimate chance at winning MVP finally this year because he has been dynamite through the first two games of the season, through for five touchdowns. Uh, on the other hand, Cam Newton also looked very good. He looks to be healthy, through for 397 yards. Okay, so uh, yeah, both teams looking pretty good. The uh, the Pats will play the uh, Raiders now, who, who have gone to 2-0. More on that in a little bit, but man, what a game this one was. Okay, speaking of the Las Vegas Raiders, They welcomed the Saints to their brand new $2 billion stadium in Vegas. Drew Brees was fired up for Monday Night Football wearing some custom cleats that sported the ESPN Monday Night Football logo, but it was not vintage Brees. We knew no Michael Thomas coming into this one, his star uh, wide receiver, possibly the best receiver in the league, right? We knew he wasn't going to have him, but it's like they're playing the Raiders. We, We know what the Raiders are. They're not a great team, and this should be, you know, Brees and the Saints by four very easily, right? I was going to bet that, but I did not take the spread there. Instead, I bet the Saints minus, what was it, 13 and a half points for the first half. So they needed 14 points in the first half, and boom, they hit. They got me 17 in the first half, and I was happy with that. But my goodness, Drew Brees and the Saints laid an egg. He threw for 312 yards, yes, and one touchdown, but he struggled with accuracy and threw an irresponsible interception over the middle. Just terrible. Here's Ryan Clark with what he saw from Drew Brees in that Monday night game. This wasn't the same Drew Brees. No Michael Thomas and the age started to show. The crack started to show. The balls floated. They were inaccurate. Drew Brees may not be what he once was. Wow. Is that serious? I'm not going to go as far as to say that because this team is one and one. They were without Michael Thomas and eventually they will get him back. And I think Breeze will be better, but I've just got to put the the onus here on Sean Payton. The play calling was not good. This is the problem with Sean Payton. Most of the time, he has one Super Bowl win with this team when he should have about four or five. But the problem is he gets in his own head. He likes to, you know, run these wildcat plays and, and just do sneaky, weird, Trick, trickery stuff when it's like, no, you you do what's working. The Saints were able to take it down. Their first drive put up points. They had no trouble scoring really in the first half. And then they go the entire third quarter and not have any points put up on the board. And of course, they, they score, you know, late in this game once it's pretty much out of reach to get, you know, one more touchdown. So they only scored once in the second half after putting up 17 in the first quarter. That cannot happen. On the flip side, though, you got to like what you saw from the Las Vegas Raiders. Who would have guessed it that they would be 2-0 and here? They get the win in their new stadium. Now, no fans in attendance, but I guess I really just underestimated the, 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 the lift that they would get from playing in a new stadium, the fire that that would bring in, in, you know, in a new home and in a new you know, state. 
Uh, but yeah, I can't believe that the the Raiders, you know, won this one by a final of 31-24. They Derek Carr, I mean, what could I say? 282 yards, three touchdowns. It was a shaky start, but those are really good numbers. And my goodness, Darren Waller, this guy needs to be in the conversation as a top three tight end in this league. He had one of those three touchdowns from Derek Carr, but he had himself an absolute night. Oh my, Tyler Wade gets in on the action, hits himself a home run. I'm always ripping Tyler Wade. I think he's terrible. But anyway, he just hit a home run to give the Yanks a 3-2 deficit. This is, you know... This is just like last night. Yanks found themselves down 3-2. They managed to tie it up and then lost an extra. So hopefully not more disappointment today as we saw yesterday. So let me just see this swing. And oh yeah, that's no doubter. Home run, Tyler Wade. Okay, Darren Waller basically set a record. He had 12 receptions, which is the second most by a tight end on Monday Night Football. Behind who had the most? Oh, that's right. Teammate Jason Witten who had 13 back in his days with with Dallas. Here's John Gruden on what he thought of Darren Waller in, in this one. I'd take him out of any other tight ends, and I know Kittle and Kelsey are as good as they get, but Waller's right up there with them. It's astonishing what this man can do. It really is. He's got ridiculous hands. There was about a third and short uh, play earlier in the first half, and Derek Carr threw it to him over the middle, and... He just stuck it with his hands. He just, it was not easy. The coverage was solid, but he just just snagged it out of the air and got those yards and, and just, man, oh man. Former wide receiver turned tight end. We know he had the drug problems early on in his career with the uh, Baltimore Ravens, but man, he was a surprising story last season and he has really emerged as one of the top three or four tight ends in this league. Okay, next up, Tyrod Taylor, you know, I talked about his injury. He is being urged by doctors to sit on uh, tomorrow, and more than likely he will not play, and you will see Justin Herbert for a second straight week. Here's Anthony Lynn, uh, his reaction to this whole situation and what went wrong with Tyrod Taylor. I'm not angry at all. You know, uh, it happens, you know, and uh, like I said, I can't go into details about it, but uh, uh, it was a complication with the shot, and, uh, you know, no one's perfect. He can't go into details. I'm pretty sure that's the PG uh, version of the story. But behind closed doors, Anthony Lynn has to be fuming. I'm sure he's throwing out some F-bombs. And he imagine being the head coach of a team and you find out like a half hour maybe before the game that your star quarterback can't play because a doctor messed up. And... and, (laughs) punctured his lung. I mean, holy crap. He had to be livid. So yeah, um, I'm sure he was very much so animated behind closed doors. Okay, let's let's talk about Thursday night football. A couple nights ago, we had the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Miami Dolphins. And once again, I did not listen to myself when I said never bet on Thursday night football because like a moron, I bet the Jags. Uh, I took the Jags getting two and a half points, and they laid an absolute egg. Um, Everything in my gut told me that the Jags, I don't know why everyone was all over them in this one, loving the Jags, but I just, I freaking knew Fitzmagic was going to come to play, and did he ever. 
Of course, you know, leading up to this game was the whole back and forth between Fitzpatrick with the uh, with his beard and, and and then Gardner Minshew with the mustache and and they were trading barbs left and right, right? But man, at the end of the day, Ryan Fitzpatrick and the Miami Dolphins schooled Doug Marone, Gardner Minshew, and the Jacksonville Jaguars. They dominated them from the jump, okay? Um, you never even got a sense that the Jags were going to come back from a two-touchdown lead early on. Uh, it was it was bad. They had a chance to open up the third quarter and, you know, down two, two touchdowns. They got the ball, did the Jags. They could have went down, made it a one-possession game. But Minshew fumbled uh, on, like, third down maybe. And then Fitzpatrick, they got the ball uh, right down there at the goal line, like the 10 or the 5 because of penalties. And then on third down, Fitzpatrick eventually ran it in for six. And that sealed the game essentially right then and there. Dolphins win by a final of 31 to 13. No DJ Chark in this one for the Jaguars, but wow, I did not think he would make that much of a difference not having him. So yeah, the, the Minshew mania not looking good on Thursday night football. And speaking of Fitzpatrick, uh, he he flourished in this game, uh, more like Fitz magic. He, he was special in this one, as close to perfect as possible. He finished 18 for 20 passing the ball and set the Dolphins' single-game completion percentage record. That is a minimum of 20 attempts. Uh, yeah, just ridiculous, including last week against Buffalo. Fitz had 21 straight completions, which is the second longest in Dolphins' history behind Ryan Tannehill, who had 25. Next up, and last but not least, some sad news that we learned earlier in the week. Gail Sayers passed away a few days ago at the age of 77. He dealt with dementia for many years. Despite playing just seven years in the NFL, all with the Bears, he is looked upon as one of the greatest running backs of all time. He was, of course, voted into the Hall of Fame in 1977 at the young, tender age of 34, making him the youngest ever inducted. He was a five-time All-Pro who averaged five yards per, per carry for his career, just ridiculous, and twice led the league in rushing, including in 69, where he had 1,032 yards after having torn the ACL and MCL in his right knee late in the previous season. Yes, he played seven seasons, but for, he it was sparingly in two of those seasons. So really, he played five full seasons uh, of good football there. And I believe he was uh, voted into the uh, onto the all-decade team there in the 70s. Uh, so RIP Gail Sayers, a legend. Okay, next up, let's talk really quick, just real briefly, about a couple games I like headed into this weekend. Okay, this is probably the toughest week in the NFL, and if you have a game that you need for your survival pool, if you didn't already use Tampa Bay, I would take the Buccaneers for sure. You've got the Jets and the Colts. This one is upwards of 10.5, 11.5 points in favor of the Colts. I just can't see that. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm I a Jets fan myself, and I want to so badly bet against them. But at 10.5 to 11.5 points, that's just way too, way too high, way too inflated. So I would take the Colts with the points there, but I probably won't touch that game. Um, but that's what I would take if I had to. couple other games I like. you got the Falcons 0-2 against the Bears. The Bears are 2-0, but they're the Bears, okay? They will find a way to to miss the playoffs more than likely so the Falcons they desperately need a victory I'm seeing them at three and a half right now I would take the Falcons 
All right, a uh, couple other games. You've got, uh, let's see, you've got the Steelers hosting the Texans. I wouldn't really touch that game. Uh, like I said, Buccaneers on the road against the 0-2 Broncos. They're five-and-a-half-point favorites. I think that's uh, that's a pretty easy one. The Broncos are without Cortland Sutton and without Drew Locke, and they have to turn to now Jeff Driscoll, who is just a journeyman backup quarterback, essentially. So I think the Bucs will win that game big there. Uh, big Sunday night game, you've got the Saints and the Packers. Okay, you've got the Saints uh, at getting three right now at home against the Packers. There's not going to be a Michael Thomas again. So I don't know why the Saints are favored. What, because they're at home without fans? That does nothing for me. So I would take the Packers there. And then in the Monday night game, you got the Ravens hosting the Chiefs. And I absolutely believe that the Chiefs can very well win this game. The Chiefs are huge underdogs in this one. Currently, uh, they're, I think, plus 155 straight up on the money line. So I, I know my brother has already bet that. The better bet, which I've been loving these first half point bets. So you take a team like the Chiefs, the over-under points for the first half is 12 and a half. So just two touchdowns by the Chiefs in the first half, boom, you hit. And then same for the for the, uh, for the the Ravens. They are at 13 and a half, so they just need 14 points too. And then if you take both of those and you want to double down and say, well, if, I'm gonna, if I think there's going to be a lot of points scored in the first half, you could take the over-under in the points for the first half and maybe in the for the whole game. Because it's over, it's like 53 and a half or something like that. So yeah, just a couple games that I like on the on the slate thus far. All right, that's going to wrap this thing up. That's, that's all I got for the NFL. We're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and talk some NBA because we are getting down to the wire and we have almost reached the NBA Finals. Okay, we're back to talk NBA playoffs, conference finals, and we're going to start and jump right in, deep dive into the Lakers and Nuggets series, starting with game two, which seems like it was very long ago because we're now into what game? Game five is tonight. Yeah, I believe game five is tonight. No, game yeah, game five should be tonight. Uh, anyway, let's pick this one back up. Sunday night's game against the Lakers and Nuggets. Fourth quarter, about 30 seconds left. Nuggets up one. And LeBron James with the beautiful pass to AD for the floater in the middle of the lane. The Nuggets now find themselves down one. And who did they go to but, uh, but the Joker himself? He hits the hook shot to put Denver up one. He would finish with 36 and nine, Jokic. Uh, solid game there. Now, two seconds left. Two seconds left in this game. The Lakers finding themselves down one. They, every all, all eyes on LeBron James, right? They're going to pass to him. No, they go to Anthony Davis, who's left wide open for three and the win. And here's what it sounded like. It's for sure the biggest shot of my career, and you know when I left, um, you know, I just want to be—I just want you know be able to compete for a championship. Um, and, and I know that you know moments like this comes with it, uh, especially being in LA. That's a shot Kobe Bryant would hit. You know, just flying through the wing like that with a catch and shoot, with the game on the line in the, in the biggest moment of our season, nothing but net. It's a Mamba shot. I can only imagine. Um, you know, I probably would have blew the roof off Staples Center. Um, AD hitting that shot tonight in Staples with our crowd. No doubt about it. I mean, how fitting would this be in a year that we lost Kobe Bryant, 
with that tragic helicopter crash if the Los Angeles Lakers, led by LeBron and AD, are able to win a championship. My good. I can't, as much as I hate LeBron, I can't even be mad if they are to win that uh, a championship because what that would mean to that city and, 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 you know, wow, that would be something else. So yes, the Nuggets, uh, tough luck loss there and Anthony Davis with a huge game winner. Okay, game three. This one was a must win for the Denver Nuggets because we all know teams that fall behind three games to none are zero and 140 in best of seven series, of course. I My gut told me, of course, the Nuggets are going to win this game. I should bet it. Well, I didn't bet it, and the... Nuggets basically led throughout the entirety of this game, and they did get the, the the W at the end of the day. Now it was a little bit, little bit scary there in the fourth quarter. They led by twenty, but the Lakers, with about seven minutes left to go in this one, are able to cut it to six points, six point deficit. But this is when, of course, Jamal Murray, he has been the star of this bubble, the star of the playoffs. He took over, went two for two from three in the fourth. While listen to this. The rest of his team and the Lakers combined to go one for 12 from long distance. So Jamal Murray goes two for two. Both teams go one for 12. Just ridiculous. And after the win, Mike Malone was feeling extremely confident and he was loving the position that his team was in. I had no doubt, Sam, that we were going to show up tonight. And the reason I didn't have any doubt is because we won six straight elimination games. Everybody always has us packing our bags and leaving, but we're, we're not ready to go. For some reason, we love this bubble. I can't explain that, but this team loves the bubble. So there is Mike Malone on his Nuggets getting a win in Game 3. The Nuggets are now 6-3 and three when trailing in a series this postseason, tying the most such wins in a single playoffs. The Pistons in 2005 went 6-1, and one, and the 76 Suns went 6-2. and two. What do those teams both have in common? They both lost in the NBA Finals. So if history were to repeat itself, the Nuggets would make it to the NBA Finals and lose. In other news, Billy Donovan, former Oklahoma City head coach, has decided to take the head job of the Chicago Bulls. Uh, So he was not on the market very long. He had 243 wins in four seasons with OKC. I thought he should have 100% received some votes for coach of the year. I think he should win coach of the year because what he did with OKC, just absolutely brilliant. Took them to seven games against the Houston Rockets. I mean, just ridiculous in my opinion. So yeah, he is now going to take over a really, really struggling, rebuilding Chicago Bulls team. And he's got his work cut out for him there for sure. Okay, back to the Heat Celtics series. After winning game three, the Celtics built some momentum as they head headed into game four on Wednesday night, trying to even the series. But the Heat were not about to let that happen. Jason Tatum, a superstar in this league, was held to zero first half points his lowest point total this season obviously for sure uh the Celtics found themselves down just six at half despite 
Tatum shooting woes, which you had to feel good about going into the third quarter because you knew it was just a matter of time before he turned things up a notch. And boy, did he ever had a great third quarter scoring 16 points. The Celtics outscored the Heat 32-27 in the period. And going into the fourth, the Heat had just a one-point lead there. Uh, Tatum would have finished with 28 points and nine rebounds, but there was another hero in the form of Tyler Hero who came up huge, like what I did there. The rookie, 20-year-old, scored a career-high 37 points, and Miami is able to squeak this one away, 112-109, to to take a 3-1 stranglehold on this series. And man, it's got to be good to Tyler here to be Tyler Hero right now. Here's some reaction to his performance. To be 100%. Hero was ridiculously good tonight. That ball, the the rim must have looked like the ocean to him. Uh, he has a fearlessness that is uncommon, uh, and he just continues uh, to gain more confidence uh, as as we go. Yeah, I mean. Got the kid is 20 years old and scored a career high 37 points. Just absolutely ridiculous. His 37 are the second most in a playoff game by a player age 20 or younger. The most going to Magic Johnson, who scored 42 points in the 1980 NBA Finals. And anytime you're mentioned in the same uh, sentence as Magic Johnson, you know it's something special. Okay, game four. Lakers and Nuggets, just like the Celtics, the Nuggets went down 2-0 before rallying to get a win in Game 3. We pick up with Game 4, where AD and LeBron were trying to keep the series lead. Uh, Yeah, speaking of AD and LeBron, they combined for 29 in the first half. The free throw disparity was huge in this one, but the Nuggets, again, found themselves not you know wanting to go down and, and lose this series they go down uh only f- by 5 just down 5 at the half i mean it, it was really remarkable to watch that first half and then to think going into half that they were down by just 5 points you had to feel good going into the second half Jamal Murray would finish with 32 points, including some of the most ridiculous circus shots that you will ever see that he had down the stretch. I mean, just some Michael Jordan. He was being compared to Michael Jordan. I- I'm not I'm not just saying that. That was legitimate. I mean, some of the circus shots he had were, uh, oh my God, I can't even believe that he was making these. Uh, on the other side, Anthony Davis had 34 and unfortunately for the Nuggets, they just couldn't get it done. They had a couple open looks, but the Lakers win this one 114 to 108. And what do you know? The Nuggets find themselves down 3-1 in yet another series and game five is going to be tonight. So can the Nuggets stave off elimination yet again? Uh, 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 but hey, for those of you that think that the Nuggets still have a really good chance to come back and win this series, I just want to tell you this, okay? They didn't have LeBron James opposing them on the other end in those first two series because LeBron James, despite everything I say about him not being clutch, he is 14-0 and all time when leading a 3-1, when, when holding a 3-1 series lead. So the Nuggets really have their work cut out for them tonight. 
But again, if I was a betting man, I would jump on the Nugget train for tonight's game. I don't think they're going to win the series, but I do think they can win tonight. And then last night, you had Jason Tatum and the Celtics fighting their way back into their series in the Eastern Conference Finals. I don't know what it is about the third quarter in the last two games, but Tatum once again was on fire going for 17 last night after he had 16 in the previous game. Uh, that would help the Celtics post their highest scoring quarter in the postseason this year with 41 points in the third quarter. This one was, wasn't was really that all that close, led by Tatum and Jalen Brown, who combined for a whopping 59 points. The Celtics go on to win this one 121 to 108. Here's Jalen Brown on the win. That's just us. Um, like I said, it's a lot of fight in our team. Um, and we came this far. We sacrificed so much, and we've been here for a long-ass time. If anything, if we wanted to go out, we want to go down fighting. There you have it from Jalen Brown. And I've got to just mention one other thing. Dating back to Game 3, Gordon Hayward missed the birth of his fourth child, which, to me, wow, kudos to him. That takes... That's that takes guts. That's a lot of props out to him. Him and his wife decided, you know, it would be best for him to just stay there and help his team try to win. Unfortunately, they weren't able to get that W, but that will be something that they could use to build momentum if they're able to come back in this series and make it into the uh, the NBA finals. Because, of course, you remember back with Hayward, he got hurt early on in, in the first series to start the postseason, and he missed a good chunk of... Uh, of their second round series before finally coming back. And he was trying to time it so he'd still be rehabbing so he could be at home for the birth of his child. But him and his wife just decided, no, stay there. Just be with your team. And yeah, wow. Don't see that very often. So that's that's one hell of a teammate right there. So, so props out off, you know, I tip my hat to him. Uh, game six in this series will be played tomorrow night. Like I said, the Heat are still very much in command, but it is concerning because they have 18 blown double-digit leads. They have blown 18 double-digit leads this season, which is by far the most in the NBA. So just something to keep in the back of your mind. Okay, that's it for basketball. Now that you're all caught up, we will dive right in and talk some baseball and uh, wrap this thing up in about 10 minutes or so. Uh, that's wishful thinking. If I to say 10 minutes, but you know what I'm saying. All right, let's jump right in. San Diego Padres have clinched a playoff spot for the first time in 14 years, thanks to a win over the Mariners on Sunday. It snapped the third longest active playoff drought in the majors. Next up, the New York Yankees gave us a little scare after a dreadful two-week stretch, but they also booked their ticket to the postseason on Sunday night. With a Seattle win over Houston on Monday, the A's clinched first place in the AL West and punched their ticket to the playoffs. Now, the Tampa Bay Rays, they do look like they're going to secure that number one seed, but um, it's not over just yet. The A's do have a chance if they could win both games this weekend and the Tam and Tampa Bay loses uh, both games. The... Before I forget, the Houston Astros, they punched their ticket last night to the postseason, as did the Marlins with their win over the New York Yankees. For Houston, they are the final team to get in in the AL. 
Okay. Uh, on Tuesday, the Cleveland Indians clinched their playoff spot in a dram- in dramatic fashion. And speaking of dramatic fashion, Aaron Hicks with the two-run shot, and the Yankees have now taken a taken a four to two. No, uh, Miami has three five three lead. I think it is over the Marlins. So finally, they're uh, looking looking a little bit better than they did last night. But back to the Cleveland Indians, Jose Ramirez with an absolute shot. Three-run homer with two outs in the tent to give the Indians a 5-3 win over the White Sox, and they punch their ticket to the postseason. And listen to the call. What a call it was. Ruiz to Ramirez. A swing and a drive to deep right center field. Away, back, and gone. It's a game winner. It's a playoff clincher. And for the fourth time in the last five years, Indians fans, you will have a postseason to remember. There you have it. Almost sounds a little like John Shambi if he, you know, if he was real excited. But uh, no, great call there. Indians are in back into the postseason. And on the flip side, National League, you have the Cubs also clinching a playoff spot with the Braves and Dodgers locking up their respective divisions, with the Dodgers being the top overall seed in the National League. Okay, let's talk about real quick the U.S. Open. We had Bryson DeChambeau absolutely cooked the field at winged foot a week ago. He was the only player to shoot under par, and he would win by by six strokes. Now, guys, I was this close. I was so, so, so close, so close. I had just a gut feeling about Matthew Wolf uh, headed into Saturday. You guys heard it here. Um, I did not make this up after the fact, but he was even par, about four shots back, and he ended up having a beautiful Saturday to jump ahead into the lead by a couple strokes there and headed into Sunday. He would be paired up with Bryson um, in the final pairing, and I thought he had a good chance, but he really just didn't have it. No one had it. Uh, winged foot playing so, 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 so difficult. But Bryson DeChambeau, after Saturday night's round, he went out to Home Depot, bought a generator, took it back to winged foot, and was just hitting shots into the night. Just, uh, you know, just one of those things that he wanted it more, I guess, and he practiced harder. But Matthew Wolf, just 21 years old, his future is just so, so bright. And, oh, it was so close. My $10 bet would have won me $429, but he did finish second and, you know, if you ain't first, you're last. So, uh, yeah, in the in the wise words of Ricky Bobby from Talladega Nights, if you ain't first, you're last. And because he did not win, I did not win. So there's that. Okay, next up, Michael Jordan, the six-time NBA champ and Hornets owner, is now an owner in NASCAR. He and Denny Hamlin are starting a new team that will commence in 2021, and they've chosen Bubba Wallace as their first driver. Jordan, of course, grew up in North Carolina, a huge NASCAR fan, and even went to races with his family. He did release a statement that read in part, Historically, NASCAR has struggled with diversity and there have been few black owners. The timing seemed perfect as NASCAR is evolving and embracing social change more and more. So there you have that. Okay, college football uh, is back, obviously. Uh, Seven players, this is the big story, out of Notre Dame. Seven players at Notre Dame tested positive for COVID, postponing today's game with Wake Forest, a total of 
13 players are in isolation. Both sides are working on a date to reschedule the game. The Pac-12 is back. They announced the conference will play a seven-game football schedule starting on November 6th. Their CEO group excuse me, voted to reverse their original decision made in August to postpone all sports until next year. Obviously, this on the hands of the Big Ten reversing course as well. And then I just saw that the MAC is also going to be back. Uh, and they will be playing football. I don't know have have all the details on that. But here is uh, Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott with more on the decision and why they chose to reverse course. First and foremost was the medical guidance, you know, given the spread of the virus in some of our markets in the West, um, there was a requirement that we have daily testing. There were concerns about uh, heart disease and, and other things. So we needed a lot of stars to align. And our campuses wanted to go about this in a very measured, careful way with health and safety in mind. And I'm happy we got to that point to still be able to participate in this football season. So, yeah, there you have that. Pac-12 football is back. So you got all the big times. You got USC. You've got, you know, uh, Arizona. You've got... Washington, they're all back and it should be fun because starting, you know, in November, we're now really going to see the ramp up in college football here and and it's going to, we're starting to feel that normalcy. All right. So, so that's a good sign. Okay, don't think I forgot about the Stanley Cup Finals. I did not. We've got the Dallas Stars versus Tampa Bay Lightning and It's been a pretty good series thus far. Steven Stamkos was back on the ice for the first time since February 25th, and he gave the Lightning just the boost they needed. He didn't miss a beat. He scored his first Stanley Cup final goal, helping Tampa Bay win this one 5-2 and take a 2-1 series lead over Dallas. Let's pick this up. Game four. This one would require overtime. Kevin Shattenkirk coming through as he goes through the legs of defender Jamie Oleksiak to beat Anton Kudabin for the game winner. The Lightning winning this one 5-4 to take a 3-1 series lead. So just one win away from a Stanley Cup championship. Wow. Um, So yeah, if you're a big hockey fan, there's your fix there. And then finally, Conor McGregor. Yes, he did announce his retirement back in June. So why are we talking about him? Well, guess what? Out of nowhere, Conor McGregor dropped a bomb tweeting that he will be boxing Manny Pacquiao in the Middle East, maybe at the the tail end of 2021 or early 2022. Is this real? I don't know. Here's Ariel Helwani on with more. Ashley, Conor McGregor's manager, Adi Attara, told me on Friday afternoon that they are in serious talks to fight the great Manny Pacquiao. Yes, I said the great Manny Pacquiao in either late 2020 or early 2021 in a boxing match. Now, he told me it's not a done deal just yet, but the talks are ongoing and that he is confident the fight will happen. He also told me they have talked to the UFC about this. The UFC would have to be on board and they would have to co-promote because Conor is still under contract with the UFC. And he said that the UFC is on board with the idea. 
There you have it. I saw somewhere, I think, on Twitter right before at the jump of this show that Manny Pacquiao all but confirmed this uh, boxing match, saying that they're doing it maybe for a good cause or some charity or something like that. So, yes, we know Conor McGregor did fight, um, has done boxing before. Uh, against Floyd Mayweather, and that was actually not a bad matchup. That was a good fight. Uh, Pacquiao is 41 years old, so we don't know what he's got left in the tank, but I I wouldn't put it past McGregor to do something like this to make a, a quick, you know, $10 million or or, or whatever it's going to be. You know, it's just, it, it, he sells, you know, he sells tickets and, and he, pay-per-views in record numbers does McGregor. So he is no slouch. He knows exactly what he is doing. Okay, last but not least on this date in sports, 39 years ago today, Serena Williams was born. She need no introduction, need I say more. She's won 23 Grand Slam singles titles, second most all-time to Margaret Court. And of course, she just recently gave birth to, uh, you know, to her first child. Wow, 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 wow. Uh, okay, guys, um, I hope you have a good weekend with your fantasy football. I hope your teams can finally get a win under the belt. My New York Jets not looking like they will anytime soon. Uh, just looking ahead to the to next week, you've got the NBA Finals starting up. You've got the um, MLB playoffs starting up. So, uh, yeah, a lot to look forward to, and I'll give you specific dates, okay? The NBA Finals, I mean, the... MLB postseason kicks off on Tuesday, the 29th. Then on Wednesday, you have the NBA Finals tipping off. So that looks to be good. Then if you want to look ahead to Thursday with Thursday night football, you've got the Denver Broncos and New York Jets. That should be an absolute dud. So um, yeah, that's that. I'll leave it there, guys. I hope you enjoy your weekend, your long extended weekend for many of you, as I also have off on Monday. I think it's like Yom Kippur or something to that effect. I don't really care. As long as I'm off and I have Monday, I'm going to play some golf with my uh, grandfather, who is 89 years old and probably will kick my ass. Um, and other, uh, one other thing I wanted to say Real quick, oh my God, my throat is dry. That's how you know I need to need to uh, end the show here. But tomorrow is my brother's birthday. I think he turns, oh my God, 30, 38 maybe, 37, 38, whatever it is. So happy birthday, Joe. It should be a good weekend either way, guys. So uh, with that being said, I'm just gonna wrap it up. Have a good weekend. Stay healthy, stay safe, and enjoy your sports. I'm the Pody signing off.